Jim Eskimen live podcast. I was going to say live celebrity podcast, but that's actually not what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, wake up. The live celebrity podcast you can see on YouTube, and that's where I interview celebrities uh, on my iPhone uh, about this and that. But this is just my, my podcast. I guess it's not even live. I mean, it's live now because I can pretty much hear myself. Anyway, uh, I have not talked to you for a little while. I thought I'd share. It's been a very exciting summer. What did I do on my summer vacation? I went to England, Scotland, and Rome. And some of it was planned. Some of it just kind of happened. Uh, we got invited, Tamara and I, to uh, teach at a, an arts festival in East Grinstead, Sussex, England, a lovely part of the world that we like to go to. And we wound up teaching uh, improv and acting techniques from the Acting Center, which are uh, very helpful and very easy to teach, to uh, a, a, real, a real grab bag of students over there in England who show up to this pretty, pretty small but uh, respectable festival. And it was, it was very, I would say, uh, in the parlance of, of these times, I would say it was very random, very, very random. Uh, we, got, uh, we taught over five days, and people just sort of dropped in, and, uh, you know, it, it's hard to teach acting that way because you want to kind of have a sequence that builds up to greater and greater mastery, and if people just kind of come and go, you know, you don't feel like you're making any progress with them. But we did, actually, and uh, even though we had people thrown at us the last minute, in fact, one day they said, hey, there's a busloads of kids coming. They don't all speak English. Can you fit them in? Uh, which we did, and that was pretty hilarious because... I speak Spanish, so that's good, but we had one guy that spoke Spanish, and he, he, he left pretty fast. He wanted to get out of there. Then we had some people from Taiwan. Luckily, one of them spoke some English. And then we had another kid from Germany. Anyway, pretty random, pretty crazy, and then they, they stayed for about a day. And then we had a woman come who was, you know, uh, of retirement age. And, and we had people of all ages, basically. We had people from about age 11 or 12 to being in their 70s, people that had experience, people that had no experience. But the great thing about it is, you know, it's a great way to get to know people in other countries. And we, we, we had a good time. Tamara has a wonderful curriculum, and we shared what we could in five days, which was pretty good. And then there was a big show at the end, so... I don't know if you've ever done anything like that, but it's, it, it keeps you alert, keeps you very alert because you have to deal with the things that pop up. I had one girl who was terrific actress but was having none of the instruction, was not into it. Why was she there? I have no idea. Maybe she had been sentenced to it by a court. That was kind of the attitude she had. And so we would invite her to do something, and she'd say, no, that was unusual. You know, it's, it's hard to help people when they just kind of go, no. I noticed that with our own daughter for on the brief period when she was kind of acting like a teenager, uh, really what didn't last more than a few months, Taylor was just kind of unwilling to be helped. And, and when you've geared your life towards helping other people and helping your, certainly your, your children, and they go, mm, no, then it, it really makes you feel kind of, kind of effete and kind of uh, emasculated and, uh, and worthless. Other than that, it's pretty fun. So we did that, and we taught, and we performed a little bit, and we got to see England. England was extraordinarily wet, no surprise. Uh, I got kind of sick of being wet, to be honest. It rained a lot on us. And we thought, wow, we're going to Scotland uh, next week, so what's that going to be like? That's going to really be wet. Uh, but as it happened when we got to Scotland, it was beautiful and dry. Now, i got to say, 
we thought we were being very clever because we took uh, a cheap flight over to Scotland from England. Supposedly only takes hour and a half. Very cheap. It's called EasyJet. I don't mind mentioning their name because the sooner they go out of business, the better. <laughs> it was dreadful. First of all, Gatwick Airport, they strip-searched Tamara's luggage big time. They were looking for anything that had an, a drop of liquid in it. Because as we all know, liquid can bring a plane down. And, you know, and never mind that the human body is, what, 70% water? Doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, they took apart things. They threw away contact lens solution. They tore her bag up like I've never seen before. It was really a, a sort of high harmonic of Auschwitz, the whole thing. And then to go on EasyJet, they say, well, you're not allowed any, any check-in baggage. You're allowed one carry-on item. So, great. That sounds typical of American uh, uh, carriers. But that meant one item. Like if you had a hat in your hand, that was the item. If you had a purse, a lady had a purse, nothing else. So we had to quickly jam items from purses and backpacks into the one carry-on thing, which was almost impossible. Plus, they just had an attitude of no sympathy about the whole thing. So I managed to, I had things I had to carry on that I had to sneak into my clothing under my shirt so that I could get them on the plane. And then they say, and it can only be stored overhead in the luggage compartment overhead, the baggage compartment. Then when you get on the plane, you realize, oh, you know, it would be perfectly reasonable to store some things like a purse, like a small backpack under the seat in front of you, like every other airline on planet Earth. But no, they weren't having any of that. They were just forcing you to do this. But I think the game is then that you have to pay, which is what we did on the way back, pay for that extra piece of luggage, uh, handheld carry-on luggage to be placed on the plane. So EasyJet uh, is on my death list, uh, and I mean that in a, a figurative way, in case anybody's listening, which hopefully they are, uh, because that was just so rude. I mean, it was just terrible, and they're just trying to squeeze you for money. Come on. What happened to being a service-oriented airline, I wonder? Meanwhile, high marks for Norwegian Air that took us to England. They were terrific and very sweet about it. So Edinburgh was fantastic. That's where we went. We walked all over the place. The weather, thankfully, was great. And there is the huge Edinburgh Fringe Festival going on, which is why we went. And we saw some magnificent shows. We saw, and most of them for free. Uh, we didn't have any plans, so we just kind of went to go and look around, see what it was, because people have been telling me, hey, you should do your show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And I, uh, well, let's see what it is. I, I realized that my balking at it was the fact that I didn't know what I was getting into. And I'm so glad I went and took a look, because it is so much more big and vast and busy and complex and random and grab-ass and fun than I could ever have envisioned. There are tens of thousands of shows going on. Tens of thousands. And um, extraordinary stuff. Uh, stuff on the street and uh, things in pubs and every corner. We did one little show at our church there at Edinburgh, which is a, a fundraiser for them to get a new building, uh, which will be great. And then we just wandered around. Now, I stupidly... I had made uh, not enough reservations uh, or too few days of reservation in our hotel. So we actually had to change hotels. and was lucky that we found one. Uh, but that gave us at least the experience of two different hotels. So that was okay, I guess, in the end, although it was a complete bother and humiliating uh, to me because I made such a boneheaded mistake. But, um, you know, I'm very good at weathering these mistakes. I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately a little too good at it. So 
I got to start being a little tougher on myself. I think of making these kind of scheduling errors. However, we walked around. We saw amazing things. First thing, we went into a pub because a girl handed us a flyer. There's there's tremendous amounts of flyers being given out on the street, and that's kind of how that's kind of like the the lifeblood of the Edinburgh Fringe is these particles. They're like white blood cells. They're flyers that are passed out, and people carry them around, and uh, they ease the infection of boredom. As my theory. Anyway, girl handed us a flyer. She said, my boyfriend's doing a show. It's right here, right now. And we had no other plans. So, and it was hot. So we went in. And we were, I think it was us and the girlfriend watching this young man who was uh, just fantastic. Uh, Patrick Shand is his name. And he had, it looked like he was about maybe 18, 19 big, dark, uh, fluffy hairdo, and he sat behind a keyboard very kind of uh, to himself, almost like you think, is this guy, you know, got Asperger's or something, or is he just really artistic? And he would play some kind of very doleful, uh, rhythmic kind of music and, and say these tone poems, kind of rappy, kind of hip-hoppy, but mostly poetic uh, in a strong uh, Irish accent. And after, you know, a few minutes, I realized this guy's brilliant. He's really, really good. And it was just the three of us watching. But uh, we stayed the whole time. It was extraordinary. And met him afterwards and found out that, no, he's you know, in good shape. And just that's his, I guess that's just his public persona. Or the kind of persona you adopt when you have three people in the audience in a pub in Edinburgh uh, that's noisy on its own with the television still going somewhere. But fantastic. So we felt like, wow, we struck gold that time. That was just perfect, just for us. We gave him some money because, you know, it was free, and he passed around the hat, and we were happy to give him 10 pounds or 10 euros. Anyway, that was cool. Then the next show we went to, a similar thing. We're trying to get to a particular venue to see a particular show, but we got lost. It's crowded. We can't find our way. So these very fun teenage or 20-year-old girls hand us a flyer saying, we're doing a show in five minutes over here. Come and see us. And they were so charming. So it's free too. So we went and saw their show. Oh my God, it was so funny. They were just improvising and playing characters and sticking marshmallows in their mouths and doing, it was like going into watch a couple of, a couple of 20 something girls in their apartment making each other laugh. I don't know, maybe 25, 30 people in the audience. It was a proper theater, like a black box theater, just like a room, dark, who knows? Maybe it was a storage area for something. They were totally charming. We laughed and laughed, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It was indescribable, but very funny and very unique. And we felt like, hey, we struck the jackpot again. And we just moved on like that. We saw one big show that we liked that was a proper show. It was a performer that we'd seen down in Adelaide, Australia, when I did the Adelaide Cabaret Festival, Meow Meow. If you ever get a chance to see a cabaret artist named Meow Meow, she is fantastic. An amazing singer, unique performer, hilariously funny, and uh, usually scantily clad. So uh, there's so many plus points. So we saw that. We saw some other music. We saw a dance show. We did, again, we were trying to get in to see something else. I don't think we... Meow Meow was the only show that we actually designed to go see and achieved. The rest were all happenstance. This dance show we went to because nothing else was not sold out. And that was fantastic. Now, I'm not a big fan of dance shows, but this was brilliant. 
It was about uh, being uncomfortable in the body of a different gender. And, you know, that, that sounds kind of trendy. And I kind of rolled my eyes and thought, oh, what the heck, you know, this is like the flavor of the month. But, but it was really well expressed and amazingly danced by these young people who, when the lights came on, you realized, oh, they're like 16. But when we were watching them, they were like all ages, any age that they were depicting. Saw my good friend Mike McShane uh, from Whose Line. Uh, we met up, and I don't know if you've been to my YouTube channel, but I put up a little thing that we improvised on the spot. I was able to present him with an award that we had uh, all won together, an Audi Award for Battlefield Earth, the audio book which I directed, and Michael McShane played a small role in, so I was able to bring him his award and give it to him, and that was kind of fun. And uh, who else did I see? Oh, the Jive Aces were there, uh, the world's greatest swing band, friends of ours, and I've been in their videos, and they're terrific, and I, we saw a little bit of their show. Again, fantastic show. I think it was free. So, had a great time. It was a whirlwind tour. We were there for about three days, and then came home, completely knackered. Now, while I was out there, I found out that I booked a role in a film that was shooting in Rome with Kevin Spacey. So I had to come home for about six days and then jump on a plane, Alitalia, flight to Rome from LAX, which was a direct flight, but Alitalia, wouldn't recommend them either. Not very, not very cheery, not very polite. Um, but anyway, got to Rome and worked with Kevin Spacey for about two and a half days um, on a feature called Gore, about Gore Vidal. Rome was extraordinary. If you've been there, you know. If you haven't, don't worry. They don't change it much. It's been in ruins a long, long time. And it's very picturesque. I was there in August, probably the worst time to go because everybody's a tourist and it's just jammed. Did some videos there too. You can see on my YouTube channel. Professor Nestor, my alter ego, the British art historian, did a couple of videos there. Um, anyway, what a great what a great experience, though. And, and fun to say, well, I'm going to Rome to shoot a movie with Kevin Spacey. That was nice. Nice to be able to say that. And, and, not, and not, that's even more nice than saying I find I just got back from Rome after shooting a movie with Kevin Spacey. For some reason, it gets diminished. But going to Rome, I guess the future, future potential of that, <laughs> I, I felt much more posh saying it. Um, maybe now because I've had the experience and uh, it is what it is and it was what it was. Uh, but it was extraordinary, and I must say, Kevin Spacey is an extraordinary actor. I saw him, I watched him, and I performed with him a couple of scenes where he had to, I mean, we did like nine pages every take of, of, of solid dialogue, and he was extraordinary. He is an extraordinary actor, and, uh, you know, I know I imitate Kevin Spacey a lot, and I realize after watching him that, um, there's a lot to learn about professionalism from him. Uh, anyway, great experience, and I think his portrayal will be rather extraordinary. I learned a lot from watching these guys. I've worked with a lot of Oscar winners. I, I tallied them up in my head. I've worked with like eight or nine people that have won Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor awards. And, uh, you know, what they do is they fully commit to what they're doing. And that in itself is an awfully good thing to observe because... Whatever you decide to do with a character, um, that's kind of artistic. That's your choice. You can't say, well, there's a, a particular procedure to that or a, or a winning formula. But one thing for sure, you can say full commitment to a character is a winning thing that any, any actor can apply. You know, don't backpedal. Don't hesitate. Don't be wobbly on it, but fully commit. I saw that 
done by Daniel Day-Lewis, and I've seen that done now by Kevin Spacey, obviously Tom Hanks and uh, George C. Scott, Jack Lemmon, these great uh, guys that I've had the opportunity to work with sometimes in their last films, but um, it's there, and uh, that taught me something. It's always... It's always good to see guys that are at the top of their game swinging for the fences and uh, to be cheek by jowl with these guys as I was with Kevin Spacey. Quite quite an experience, even if no one ever invited me out to dinner or asked me, so what do you think? Hey, they're busy. Listen, thanks for listening. I know you're busy too. I really, really appreciate you listening to this podcast and uh, I'll keep you abreast of things. I think there's some good news ahead. I think some many, many exciting things are happening. I'm auditioning more and more and doing bigger projects. Also, a film that I wrote and uh, starred in, a short film, uh, should be coming out pretty soon, or at least in festivals. It's called Sun to Sun. It's about the opioid crisis, and um, we're in the final stages of editing that, so I'll let you know about that. In the meantime, be well, stay cool, keep creative, and uh, thanks to Jeff Levin for the... (laughs) 